If you have a Bible, Proverbs chapter 3 is where we will be in just a couple moments. But first, announcements. And there's a grip of them today. Um, I'll go in order of fun, perhaps. First, housekeeping. I've been told, kids, this could apply to adults too, that they've been finding gum around here and uh, they think we're the culprits. I'm willing to say it's the bingo people. Um, but if you're a kid or an adult and you happen to chew gum, uh, this goes without saying, swallow it or put it in a trash can. I'm more of a swallow gum myself guy. They always said, oh, it takes seven years to digest and I've been testing that my whole life. I just during worship, I swallowed a piece of gum uh, before coming up here. So yeah, if, if you're a gum chewer, deal with it appropriately. Um, and if that doesn't apply, then hallelujah, you um, are responsible. So let's see what else. Oh, Philippines. The team is still there. Uh, it is 15 hours ahead of right now there. So they are sleeping their final night in the Philippines. Uh, they begin their journey home tomorrow. Uh, you can pray for me because I have to pick them up at the airport at 11.58 tomorrow night. Um, but they sent over three pictures again. So uh, there's Beth painting, and I believe that's Brie in the background. Uh, and then the second picture came with the caption, Anthony said, proof that I'm working. <laughs> and I said, I'm going to tell you all, it was probably a recycled sermon, so it only counts halfway. Yeah, Matthew 28. He's thought on Matthew 28 a million times. So uh, there's Anthony kind of sort of working. And then final picture of their church uh, all together outside. So in the beautiful Philippines. Um, so you can pray for them as they travel uh, tomorrow. Then um, if you're a member, you should have gotten an email this week. We have a member meeting on Sunday, November 12th. Uh, and the agenda and all the items that are going to be voted on uh, came. If you did not get that email, come see me, or if you have any questions, uh, see me as well. If you're new, visiting as a guest, want to know more about the church, we'd love to get to know you more. You can fill out one of the Connect cards on the back table, or you can do so online. And for all of you families or kids, we do have clipboards in the back with crayons should you want them. Um, you can feel free to get up and get those. And then uh, final thing is on a monthly basis, we support Agape House and November is Homelessness Awareness Month. And so uh, Mike and Becky are here from Agape House to share a little bit with you all, kind of an annual tradition now. And I will say this because he usually doesn't say this because uh, Mike's got experience. Uh, there's a dollar for dollar tax credit in the state of Arizona, which I believe is 400 for individuals 800 for couples that if you give to Agape House, when you file your taxes, you get it back from the state. It's basically, it's not money laundering because that's illegal, <laughs> but it's like money laundering. You send it to Agape House, you get it back from the state. So if you have any questions about that, see them. Uh, and here's uh, Mike and Becky. Thank you. There's Becky. Yeah, it is a great thing in our state, the uh, tax, tax credit. So it's, it's straight off straight off the bottom. So it's not like some of the other things with tax. It's you don't pay the tax, which is nice um, here. But uh, yeah, I'm the executive director and Becky's our administrative director. This is our 10th anniversary of being here in Prescott. We're a long-term transitional program for families that are homeless. So you don't see it much up here in Prescott or Prescott Valley. You don't see it like in Phoenix where it's every corner and every overpass where you'll see people in tents. 
But uh, the number they use for Prescott and Prescott Valley is about 180 kids are from homeless families. So that's families living in garages, families living in cars, families living up in the forest, which would be really cold tonight, and things like that. Those are the people we help out. So it's a Christ-centered program. Um, we're here. We're about to be in Prescott Valley, hopefully in the next few months, with some additional homes there. To give you an idea, we can take in about one a month. We have seven units here in Prescott. So about one person a month for a six- to nine-month program. We get about five calls a day. So we give a lot of no's um, to them. We are excited now. We are completely packed out. We moved in a single mom with three kids. Last week, we move in a single mom with three boys. Next week, um, we have a single dad with four kids. We have big families now. Almost all our families are single parent, mostly moms from domestic violence. That uh, we're, we're that. It's our chance to kind of give them the hope of Christ that we've been given back to them and a process forward. We really work hard to get our families involved in a local church. So we've had some here. There's some in this church that were with us in the past at Agape House. Um, success, last six weeks, we've had three families graduate. Family of six with a little baby bought a home. We had a, a single mom who came to us pregnant and with a three-year-old. She's in her own apartment now. And then a single mom came to us pregnant and with two boys. She's in her own apartment. So we'd like to see them... As far as like when I'm talking to business people or government, we're taking them from the, the side where they're taking government money to the side where they're putting back into society. They're working jobs. All of our parents have to work, work a job. So we're excited with that. We're excited to see as God bless them. We're excited to see families come and accept Christ and get baptized um, that have come through our program. But that is our program. Jake, say something. I just wanted to say... Thank you to this church. You guys have been supporting us for 10 years. Um, without Pastor John, we would not be in existence. So I thank Pastor John precisely because he was one of our very first board members. Thank you, John. Um, and I just want to say thank you to you all for supporting Agape House. We really appreciate it. I want to give you a report um, about the problem of homelessness that... My teenage daughter thought it would be fun to go camping in the backyard this winter, I mean this, this weekend. And so she slept out there with a friend and they spent about till one o'clock in the morning and then I made them a nice warm bed and they jumped in bed. Um, in the same time, my window was left open the whole night and so I was freezing and my children were freezing. But what I thought about all night was, there's not a reprieve for some families. And when you are a mother, we just took a mother in who had been split in her time. If she had enough money, she would stay in a hotel, but most of the time she stayed in the car. So as a mom, you're like trying to keep your daughter warm. I mean, that, that just physically is a huge problem. This last family that we have moved in, it was the only reason we moved her in is because for the sake of prayer, she probably had 100 people praying for her. And I told her, I said, I have never heard so many people praying for this particular lady when she was able to move in. They're cold out there. We're very grateful for the families we're able to take in, but we turned 145 people away. 
which is really hard. So we are growing. We're um, coming into Prescott Valley. We want to expand to be able to serve 28 families by the year 2025. So we're very excited about that. But I just want to tell you, thank you to you. Our mothers report they feel safe. They feel safe at Agape House. It's a time where they can pause and reflect and really pull themselves up. They feel safe and they can know Jesus. When they have the hope of Jesus, raise your hand if you believe in the hope of Jesus. We believe in the hope of Jesus. And when you give them a hope of Jesus, they can do it more. So I just want to say thank you. We appreciate you guys. Thanks, Pastor John. So if you want more information, they will be at the Connect table. Um, here's another tradition we do, Family Worship Sunday. So it is the fifth Sunday of the month. Uh, it is, kids, you remember what the tradition is? Silly News Sunday? I have a triple header for you, and I'm going to try to go through this quickly because, um, yeah. So, so there's three things that I saw that I think are worth sharing. All come with pictures. Number one, a Guinness Book of World Records record for the oldest person to do a rim-to-rim in the Grand Canyon was broken uh, this month or last month. Uh, and that was, what was his name? Alfredo Aliaga. See that guy? 92 years old. Did the 24-mile trek, which totaled more than 21 hours of hiking. You cannot say, he says, I'm too old to do things. I'm healthy and happy. So, he wasn't the fastest one ever. Do you know the record for rim to rim to rim? Uh, it, 44 miles is five hours, 55 minutes, which is insane. Jim Walmsley broke that record. So he didn't break that record, but he's the oldest. I bet Jim Walmsley won't be doing it when he's 92. Second story, this was in Australia. Australian commuters were on a highway. They were treated to a rare spectacle, a giraffe peeking out from an oversized trailer of the highway uh, on Hume Highway south of Sydney. So there you go. That's what it looks like transporting a giraffe, if you've ever wondered, okay? And then I came across another story that reminded me of this, and this was in uh, Minneapolis. Federal custom, the agents, in the writing from Associated Press is terrible, so forgive me, uh, them. They poo-pooed the plans of an Iowa woman who wanted to make jewelry from giraffe feces she picked up on a trip to Kenya and brought back to the U.S. in her luggage. She declared the small box of feces when she was selected uh, to have her belongings inspected upon arriving at the Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport on September 29th. The woman who was not identified, they let her keep her dignity, uh, told officials she planned to use the waste to make a necklace, as she had done in the past with moose droppings. Uh, the agency's specialist destroyed it, and I quote, this is for all of you, there's a real danger with bringing fecal matter into the U.S., Customs and Border Protection's Chicago Field Director LaFonda Sutton-Burke said in a statement. If this person had entered the U.S. and not declared the ISM, there's a high possibility this person could have contracted disease from this jewelry, developed serious health issues. There's your silly news Sunday. We're in Proverbs chapter 3. We are doing a series uh, called Learning Wisdom. I believe Linda is coming up to read for us today. Yeah, there she is. Chapter 3, verse 10 through 12. Ten through twelve. One through twelve. Okay. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father the son in whom he delights. Thanks, Linda. Let's pray together. And Father, we thank you for this morning that you've given us, and we ask that our hearts would be open and receptive to who you are and what you've spoken, uh, that you would lead us, guide us, help us. And we also want to thank you for the Agape House and their ministry, and we pray uh, that as they continue to expand to help more people and share the love, the hope, and the goodness of Jesus, that you would give their, their board and their staff uh, wisdom, favor, discernment uh, as they work alongside local governments, agencies, churches, individuals, uh, that you'd continue to multiply their efforts here. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So I'll be honest, this Sunday I am pulling an audible in that originally this week's sermon was supposed to be about work and money. Um, and then I got thinking for more than two seconds and wait, wait, it's Family Worship Sunday and there's a week where we're going to do uh, children and parents, that makes sense. And so I'm switching it around. And so this proverb series does not make um, chronological sense. We're doing a sermon on friendship, that should probably come first. And then another one on marriage, that should probably come after. And then children and family and parents and all that would make sense. It's kind of the, you know, so-and-so sitting in a tree, K-I-S-S-I-N-G, that's the order we should have gone in but we're doing things a little backwards. And so kids, you probably have not been with us over the last few weeks as we've been in this book, but if there's one word that encapsulates Proverbs, what it's about, the word is wisdom. It's about living well in God's word, not just simply knowing facts about God, but applying the truth of God to the spots of everyday life. Knowledge in to action and application. My favorite quote is that Proverbs is the hard candy of the word. It takes chew, not chewing like uh, some of my kids do with Jolly Ranchers. Like, ah, they, like enjoy it, savor it, take your time with it. And even after all the years that you follow Jesus, there will still be some that you scratch your head with at the end of the day. There's so many different types of Proverbs. And just, again, this is more for the kids than the adults, but I want to share with you some of the more odd or funny ones. Uh, Proverbs 26, 11 says, like a dog that returns to its vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. That's a fun image. 
How many of you have dogs and you've seen them do that exact thing? Gross. And then you let them in your bed and kiss your face? That's disgusting. Don't do that. See, wise man right there. Not happening. Dogs stay out of the bed. But that, the disgustingness of a dog returning to its own vomit is a fool that repeats his folly. Proverbs 15, 17 says, let them be for yourself alone and not a stranger with you. That, oh, that's 517. That must be my typo. I'm going 1517. Cody, I take the blame. It was me. You're like, why is that one weird? 1517 says, better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. So there's two things I see happening. One, they're saying vegetarian, no offense to those of you that are vegetarian, vegan, but according to this proverb, that's not the best. <laughs> a fattened ox is the best. Uh, but if you have hatred in your home, you might as well be eating vegetables. Anyways, that's a fun one. <laughs> and then the last one, just for our purposes this morning, Proverbs 11, verse 22 like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. It's just a great image. And it, you can go, hmm, think about it a minute, take it to heart, apply these things. Today, we're going to look at the Proverbs on children and parents. Here's where we're going. First, I'm going to give you a bunch of like disclaimers and caveats, okay? Second, we're going to look at the text, Proverbs 3. Then I'm going to help, hopefully, us to build a little bit of a template around children and parents. And then finally, uh, we will see, what is the final thing? Text, template, oh, two images. And I'm going to try to attempt to tackle all of that in less than 25 minutes. So here we go. Here's the caveats. Number one, I wish I could preach this sermon in 10 years from now. And the reason I say that is because I'm a novice parent. I'm not speaking from a place of authority and experience. It's just I drew the card for this particular Sunday. I have three boys, 13, 11, and 8. So my experience is limited, and I'm coming from a place of limited experience. So much of parenting is theory that doesn't become law until enough time passes. And even then, it's only law in that particular household. And so if there's things I say today that end up working 10 years from now, that's the law of the Wolfinger house. Okay, so, so I'm putting my cards on the table and saying, hey, everybody, novice, and it's limited. Parenting girls, again, plenty of theory. I have zero experience with that. And for those of you that have or are raising girls, awesome, congratulations. May God help you. Um, <laughs> second caveat. Too much teaching about children and parents from pastors and authors is a subjective should on people. Again, this goes back to point one, that it's their theory, their practice, their experience that then they go, this becomes universal law. Everybody needs to follow what I did. And you're like, that's not how life works. I'm attempting to resist my own personal preferences and reactions and shoulds onto parents and kids. What I'm going to attempt to lay out is the truth of God that we can universally then build a template from. 
the truth of God that helps us build the template for parenting. And then fourth and final caveat, all of us are in very different situations. But here's what we all share, is that if you come, and we all do come from a family, every single one of us universally have a mother and a father, that to come from a family is to come from brokenness. There is no such thing as the ideal or perfect family. It doesn't exist. It's a myth. In our midst, we have families that are broken. We have folks that have dealt with and are dealing with abandonment, abuse, shame in the past or in the present. There are families in our midst that have joy and abundance and are experiencing a lot of God's goodness in this season of life. And then we have families that are experiencing absence and pain, not able to conceive, miscarriage, children or grandparents who have passed, who are experiencing even today, today's October 29th, it's the two-year anniversary of Miles passing today. That, that many families in our midst in different ways have unspeakable grief and pain. Frederick Bachman in his book Beartown says, they were happy, or at least as happy as a family can be when it's burdened by a grief too large to be absorbed by time. Many families in our church have that kind of grief, that kind of loss, that kind of pain either in physically losing kids or in kids that have walked away, that have broken relationship, that have just broken your heart. Some of you, again, come from homes where the parents weren't there, where there's an absence, a pain, and I want to recognize that, that, that there's no universal perfect sermon on children and parents. Uh, and in a room like this, you know, you have grandparents, you have people without kids, you have people who long for kids, you have singles. Like, this sermon is not going to hit every single base, but I want to acknowledge at least that every single base exists here this morning. Where there's family, there's pain. But also there's a promise because Christ comes and he shows us how his work transcends and transforms humans and unites a people called the church into a new family and a new kingdom that are not simply consumers of religious goods and services, but are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so now, those are the caveats. Here's the text. The text gives a bit of a direction for parents, for kids, for people in general. What do you see in this text? Well, Derek Kidner sums it up and says in, of chapter 3, the parent's chief resource, as this is a speech from a father to a son, it's constructive, namely their law taught with loving persistence. This law the Hebrew is Torah, is a wide term which includes commands, but is not confined to them. Basically, it means direction, and its aim here is to foster wise habits of thought and action. And so first thing, for parents to teach that, you need to know that and experience that in relationship to God, which is then passed on to children. And if you just take a glimpse through those 12 verses that Linda read for us, you see that there's a priority of keeping the center of who you are on the word of God. That, that preserves life. It grants peace. It says to, to keep steadfast love and faithfulness uh, with you. Let them not forsake you. That word steadfast love, if you want another Hebrew word, it's hesed, 
The Jesus Storybook Bible sums it up as God's never stopping, never giving up, always and forever love. If you don't have a Jesus Storybook Bible, today is your lucky day. We have them at the back table. They're free. Take them. Read them. Even if you're an adult, like one of the most helpful Bibles there is. Bibles. Kids' Bibles. You, you understand. I'm not saying it's the authoritative, inerrant word of God, but it's just a helpful picture book. Okay. I'm wasting time. Next, it says, trust God with everything, functionally. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. Some of you remember Barbara Warnke, right, at Calvary Chapel. If I remember correctly, this was my first memory verse in Sunday school of all time, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and it's, it's a keeper. It's one worth memorizing, to, to functionally trust God with everything in your life. Jesus would say, if you love me, you'll do what I say. You'll keep my commandments, trusting that he's going to work everything out in your life. It says that wellness is to be found in right relationship with the Lord. It talks about money. Money matters. It's connected to the heart. Give it away. Be generous. We'll talk more about that next week. Then this, which is maybe uh, the most difficult for parents and kids to understand and apply. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be wary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves whom he loves as a father in the son whom he delights. So kids, this is tough, but you are called to welcome correction. That is that correction in the life of a follower of God, when God corrects his kids, it's a sign of connection. Correction equals connection. And of course, it's only the Lord who does this perfectly and right and just and good and all of that. But there's the sign that, that the correction of the Lord is a sign of connection to him. Hebrews says, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And there's more in that. Proverbs 22.6 says this. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. We talked about this in week one, that this is a probability, not necessarily a promise. Proverbs speak about likelihoods. They don't give out promises. And so for some of you, you've seen this take place in your life with your kids and praise God for that. For others, you're praying that your kids come back to this and that this is, in fact, a promise, but it is a probability. You train up your kids, you do the best you can. There's no guarantee of how they might turn out, but the, the call for parents is that there's some aspect of training, raising intentionality around it all. Next proverb, uh, 17 verse 6 says, grandchildren, and I've seen this one to be true. It is a probability, and it seems to be more of a likelihood, are the crown of the aged, and the glory of children is their fathers. So we have multiple three-generation families in our church, and it's not fair. You grandparents, how you treat the grandkids and spoil them and sugar them and then hand them back with a big smile on your face. You're like, I've seen it. It happens. Maybe the most famous proverb that is controversial when it comes to discipline correction is this, Proverbs 22:15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Now, this is where everybody gets nervous. Here's the context. In the Old Testament, there's a lot of imagery and metaphors given that come from shepherding, that come from the field. And so you see in Psalm 23 that the rod and the staff of God comforts David, that God is the shepherd, we are his sheep, the people of his pasture. And in that, shepherds carried a rod that was for reorientation, not 
for beating into submission. And this is where often there are very, uh, like, bright, broad lines that are drawn of what parents should do, parenting, discipline-wise. What I'll say is this. You cannot use the Bible to condone abuse ever. And the Bible is clear that parents are to give consistent discipline to their kids. Tremper Longman fleshes this out further. He says, it must be borne in mind that the application of any proverb depends on the people involved as well as the situation. These proverbs do not imply that parents must apply physical punishment when they judge that a simple verbal reprimand will do. Discipline is never to be done out of anger or hate or a desire to harm, but out of love and a desire that the person improve. In this way, the parent follows the model of God who disciplines his children. And so, I am going to encourage every parent in this room, and this gets into the template, to be consistent, and there's a call to discipline kids, but the formula of it, I don't think, goes into the uh, step one, step two, step three, step four. It, It just doesn't do that. And too often, People take Proverbs out of context and use it to justify anger and abuse of kids, which is abhorrent to God. Because God is the model of how discipline happens. So, everybody uncomfortable yet? Let's go into our template. Four things. Four things, I think, from Proverbs and from God's word that we can use to build a template for discipleship and discipline of kids and parents. Number one, parents, your discipleship is to be comprehensive. If you read Proverbs chapter 3, 1 through 12, I mean, it covers just about every single base of life. If that wasn't enough, just read chapter 1 through 10 in the 10 speeches that are found throughout that section. What you find is that the discipleship of parents of their children is comprehensive. It's holistic. There is an all-of-life approach. It's not just simply, hey, parents, get the right ideas about God into your kids' heads. Don't just get them to think right, get them to understand life holistically. It deals with the head, it deals with the heart, it deals with the hands. It's comprehensive in its approach. And and that's our call as parents towards kids, to give a comprehensive discipleship for them in life. Next thing, consistent. That is that discipleship is intentional, it is predictable, it is with love, and when there's failure, there is repentance. So again, I could have included this within my caveat, but it went without saying. I have those three children, two of them are here today. So you wanna do any fact checking, Lincoln and Elliot will go, "Ah, yeah, yeah. They don't have the perfect or anything close to the perfect father. But what I hope that they get increasingly is a repentant father when he, me, I, this guy, fall short of that. And what I hope they see is the desire for consistency. But this is, oh, it's so hard to be a consistent parent, especially when you have multiples of them. And this is where my kids go, yeah, amen. Because the littlest, he gets away with everything. And you didn't let me get away with anything. And I go, yeah, because you were the first and we're trying everything out on you. And sometimes we were too harsh and we're learning. So give me a break, bro. Comprehensive, uh, consistent. My wife added this one in yesterday. 
um, which speaks of her gifting and my shortcomings. She added the word, she's like, compassionate. It should be compassionate, your parenting. And I was like, oh, yeah, I lack that <laughs> often. One of the, the most clear moments in my life uh, where this came to be was in 2019. It was Father's Day, and we were down in Costa Rica. I think I said that already. And I said, oh, let's go out on a run. So I take uh, Lincoln and Elliot. So Lincoln at the time, what is that? He was nine, Elliot seven, six, something. And I go, let's go on a run and before we go off to church. And they are huffing and puffing. And I don't know if you've ever tried to run in the tropics. It's it's like wearing a wet blanket over your face. You can't breathe the humidity. It's 90, 95%. And they're just struggling and going slow and veering on complaining. Come on, let's. And Psalm 103 popped in my head where it says, it's not going to be on the screen, is a father shows compassion to his children. So the Lord has compassion on all who love him. I went, oh, yeah, it's Father's Day. <laughs> I should apply this. As I look into their beet red faces, it's not by lack of effort that they were struggling, but just given the environment. And often, this is more to me than probably most of you, but parents are to have compassion on their kids. I asked uh, our family this week, I said, hey, I'm teaching on parents and kids. What, what should I say? And our youngest, Theo, said, uh, parents need to remember they were kids once too. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's... Which, which then I had a funny thought experiment of imagining some of you as little kids toddling around. Like, Paul, what were you like as a little toddler? Terrible. Terrible? The Lord has worked over the years, I see. And so there's this need for that remembrance of, oh, yeah, you're new here. Compassion. And then finally, comprehensive, consistent, compassionate, and then compelling in parenting, in family as a whole, and this goes to the church collectively, there ought to be, this is where I should, there should be a compelling case for the beauty of Jesus. And the only way that we can give a compelling picture of who Jesus is, is first to experience that in our own hearts, minds, and lives. To see the beauty and the mystery and in the wonder of Christ who came to this earth. And, and I fail in showing this often because I don't necessarily meditate it on like I could and like I should, like I'm called to. But if we are keeping his law, his word on the you know, frontlets of our eyes, if we're binding them in our lives, then this will come out. And so the call for parents towards kids is to see Christ, to know this story in Scripture and place ourselves in it because he invites us into it, that he created the world. He blessed it all. It's been broken by sin, but Jesus is in the process of bringing beauty today. We live in that overlap of Redemption has come, but it's not yet fully realized. But in that place, he gives us every tool we need for life. And so we're called to give a compelling picture of who he is, what he's accomplished. This is what Jesus was like for kids. Matthew chapter 18, 
verse 1 through 6. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest of the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put them, him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned into the depth of the sea. Jesus had a magnetic, uh, it was as though kids were magnetically attracted to the person of Christ. The disciples wanted to press them away in another story, and he's saying, no, this is the kingdom of heaven. There's something that you kids teach us that we have this tendency to forget about who Jesus is and what his kingdom's all about. And so for you kids, thank you. And keep teaching us about Christ and his kingdom because we have a tendency to forget. And so in creating whatever parenting template goal, whatever, it's not a perfect family. That's not the goal. The goal is Jesus and from there, you take the plain truth of Scripture and you build a template for life together. Too often, we get that reversed. We have our preferences, we have our reactions, we have our family of origin and what we want to repeat, we have our family of origin and what we don't want to repeat, and we go, that's the grid, and then we find verses for that, rather than saying, what does the truth of Scripture give us? And from that, then you create the template. Yes, and you do the work and, and you know, work through the, the, the roadblocks and the issues and the, the, you know, the lies that you are told and the things that you have to release. Get all the help, yes, to understand your family of origin, to forgive, to repent. But you take the truth of Scripture, and from there, you build a plan for life. And so parenting, it's not easy but there's a call within that. And for kids, you know, your parents, this is one of their favorite verses. You may have heard it many times. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 4, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. He's quoting the Ten Commandments. This is the first commandment with a promise. What's the promise? That it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So children, your role is to trust God in trusting your parents as they raise you. And Christ comes and he gives us help. He restores families. And one of the primary missions, not the only way, his message gets out into the world and disciples are made not the only way, but the primary way is, one of the primary ways is through the family. God, knowing humanity's brokenness, is still joyfully glad to be called Father. And I heard, I think it was Louis Giglio said years ago, God is not the a reflection of our earthly fathers, but he is the perfection of them. And Jesus, he comes to bring about salvation and healing and redemption and wholeness. He's happy to be called God's beloved and only son. So the language of family is applied to the Trinity. And if we see and savor that reality, it will be reflected in these relationships that we carry with one another. And that's how wisdom can be born. That's how wisdom can be cultivated. That's how wisdom can be perpetuated in the world. And so I want to give you two images, and then we'll close uh, with this. 
toward that end. First, they need a child volunteer. Who wants to volunteer kids to come up here? Ken, <laughs> child at heart. All right, Sawyer, come up here, buddy. So here's, here's a thing for you kids. Uh, first, Sawyer, you need to uh, close your eyes, okay? Okay. Now you need to open them. What do you see, Sawyer? A book. A book. What's the book about? What's it called? What's the title? Uh, raising Children? Uh, nope, it's not called that. What's it called? I don't know. Why don't you know what it's called? Because it's shoved up against my Because it's shoved up against your nose. Very good. <laughs> now, now do you see what the book's about? Yeah. What's it about? Uh, kindness. Makes us strong. Okay, let's do this one more time. What's this page about? <laughs> do you know? No. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Now, that's all you need. Everybody give Sawyer a hand. In light of this teaching, on a family walk of ours a, a, about a week ago, my kids asked me, Dad, why is it that you and Mom get to do whatever you want, but kids don't? It's a legitimate question, and it's good, and I didn't, like, I've been chewing on that all week. Why is it? And, and what I wanted to do is, like, kid, have a seat, pour myself a strong drink, light up something that can be inhaled, even though I don't necessarily do that, say, let me tell you about the burdens I carry in life. You think, <laughs> you think... I get to do whatever I want? Well, let me tell you something about my responsibility. I didn't do that. <laughs> but here's the thing, kids. You're living life right now, and here's your perspective. This. This is the world, an image of the world, the picture, all of that. And your perspective on it is this much. It's not because you have any shortcomings or failures. It's just because you haven't been around here all that long. And you know what happens is time comes, it's like this. You're one, you're two, you're three, you're four, you're five. And as time goes, you get more perspective on the world and how life works best. Your parents, there's multiple things they have on you. They can fill you in on all the details, but the one thing that all of your parents have on you is time and perspective. And so the reason that you live under this, sometimes it feels cruel confinement, where there's rules, where there's laws in the household, where there's things you can't do that you want to do, and there's things you have to do that you don't want to do, the reason you are in that process is because you are learning and growing in perspective. So kids, remember, you will get that perspective Time is happening at the same rate of speed for us all. You can't accelerate the process. But your parents are God's number one gift to you to grant you that perspective. And there's going to come a day where you get to buy all the soda and candy you want and eat it at whatever time and day you want. And then you will feel sick and your joints will hurt and you will learn. My parents were on to something all those years ago. And so your parents, because they have, they see more of the picture, not the whole picture, but they see much more of the picture and have been granted wisdom through experience to help you in that. So kids, if you take nothing else from this 
Understand this, trust the process. Trust the process. It doesn't always make sense, nor does it have to, but trust the process. Now, parents, the image you have that I want to give to you, that my wife and I use all the time, is that we see our role as one of building a fire. And I don't know if you've built a fire from scratch. I'm not talking like some of you pyromaniacs with the lighter fluid and you're like, this is going to be a real rager. No, it's like you're out in the wild. You're collecting kindling and there's an art to it all. And you arrange it in a certain way with, you know, the loose stuff and you build up the pyramid and it's as though you set it all up and the one thing that you do not possess is a spark. You're not given a spark. That's the Holy Spirit's job to do in the life of your kids, to ignite that fire, to bring about salvation and redemption in them. But our role as parents is to arrange it in such a way that is comprehensive, that is compelling, that is the, the conditions are right for a spark to happen. And that's part of Family Worship Sunday. This is like, I mean, I don't know use the fire illustration, whether it's like, yeah, it feels sometimes like you're putting a big log on a fire that hasn't yet started, this stinks, uh, maybe. But it's a part of this process of arranging things in such a way and asking God by the power and might of his spirit to bring about salvation in the life of our kids. But we don't carry the flame. We, we point them to the light and we ask the light and the fire to come and ignite something in their hearts that would never be extinguished, but there are no guarantees within that. And in the midst of that, kids, you getting perspective, parents, you doing all you can to create something that's comprehensive and consistent and compassionate and compelling, in that you're praying that God would work and he does. And what he often does is reveal our need for him. Paul Tripp says this, in every moment when you are parenting, you are being parented. In every moment when you are called to give grace, you are being given grace. In every moment when you are rescuing and protecting your children, you are being rescued and protected. In every moment you feel alone, you are anything but alone because he goes with you wherever you go. And so that's the promise and the truth of scripture. And so let's learn from Christ and lean on him. Let's pray. And so, Jesus, we thank you for your work in our midst and the promise that you give us as parents and kids. Father, where there are gaps left from each one of our families of origin, may we see your protection and your provision and your work there. Lord, for those that are raising kids right now, would you grant them the grace and the patience and the perseverance they need? Would you refresh in all of us a trust in you, a, a vision of your beauty and your grace, and would you press us further towards the hope that we have in your gospel, in the good news of Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's in his name we pray, amen.